You're listening to Black Op Radio. Video computers online. Archiving 44K. doesn't want you to hear. Now here is your host, Leno Sanic. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Black Op Radio. Today we are speaking to Paul Blow from Quebec City. Hello Paul. Hi Lynn, how are you doing? Very good. Always a pleasure to speak to you. You've been uh, doing so much good work on investigating uh, Jim Garrison's work. You write about many interests you have in the assassination. But uh, every time I have you on, I get a lot of requests for the Garrison uh, files, the papers of Jim Garrison that were saved by somebody anonymously and sent them to me and a few people. And I, I always offer them to, for free if you haven't seen them. But we have some news about that that... There's such a gigantic amount of papers there that there's been some organization and categories and uh, uh, real indexing of those things. So we're going to talk to Paul Abbott, but I always like to talk to you first just because you seem to, to really have your finger on the pulse of what's going on with those things. Oh, yeah. Well, um, the garrison files uh, were quite the revelation for me maybe bring you back you had sent me those files and there, there were a ton of them i think the the problem eh, when you get the um, the documents is you don't know where to start jim garrison i think he i'm seeing from paul paul abbott's work that there seems to be twelve thousand pages twelve thousand pages and there are you know dozens of files oh no, no hundreds it's not dozens I'm looking oh, yeah. at them right now. It's just hundreds of them. And they're like in PDF form. So people have scanned if it was a letter, the envelope it came in, the letter, the everything, or the documents, wherever it came from. I mean, it's really quite the thing. But, but like you say, when you open it up, you can just either look at it maybe alphabetically. But um, yeah. if you're trying to do some research on it, it's just it's so much. And that's what happened to me. I would click on one and start reading it and find out that there's like 120 pages on this one document or an interview with somebody, you know, um, a witness or how they followed up on an investigation. And uh, so. No, um, you're right. I think I should have used the word. There's about 50 or 60 subject matters. And within those subject matters, you're right, sometimes there are uh, dozens of files and hundreds of pages. And you open up, uh, like I remember opening up one file and, uh, you know, it was like 300 pages. <laughs> so some are shorter. But uh, so what happens with Garrison is you have all his research that was done 
leading up to the uh, Shah trial. And then the files go on. He, he became a source for the House Select Committee on Assassinations. And he, read, he wrote a book later on. And he just kept researching after the case. And we know that, was it Harry Connick? Anyway, the one who replaced him tried to destroy his files. And he destroyed some of them. And he ordered the rest, everything destroyed by one of his, uh, his workers. I forget his name. And the guy, I think he did the noble thing. He didn't destroy them. And then Harry Connick tried to hide this from, was it the ARB? I think so. It was ARB. And, and um, uh, he was embarrassed to the hilt because uh, he claimed that everything was gone. And, uh, you know, that it was just part of a natural cleanup. But uh, that's when his assistant... <laughs> Uh, revealed that there were a ton of files. And I think he tried to block the transfer of those files to the ARB, uh, you know, using legal maneuvers. But finally, they, they came out. And anyway, you sent me those files. And I said, I have to go through these. A lot of people attack the files by attacking the messenger. A lot of people say that Garrison was a quack. He was... Uh, a, I don't know. You mean... I mean, a few people that are disgruntled. I mean, I, I don't know that there's a lot of people that are calling Garrison a, a quack. I mean, you got the the Gerald Posner's, the McAdams, the Bugliosi. I mean, there's a select few that are just right. total disinformation. Oh, um, you're right. I, I, when I say a lot, I, I should say the naysayers. There's a there's a number of people, and even a few on the uh, you know the. Um, a few of who should have been his allies attacked him. I think earlier on, uh, he was attacked by Mah uh, Mar, uh, Sylvia Mahar. Is it Sylvia? Yeah, uh, yeah. But you know, some of the things are people go. I have a problem with the trial. He should have never done this. He yeah. Should've, he should have vetted this witness. You know, that's that's water under the bridge. That's like it saying, is, well, what did you do? Yeah. What did you it do? Is. Because this guy was about five uh, assistant DAs. Did more than anyone in all oh, yeah. of America. Oh so, yeah, he did. Uh, yeah. He definitely did. He def definitely did. And Lennon and we agree. I think I'm trying to um, to say that he, you know, there was a, a campaign against him with the media, with uh, intelligence. I mean, they bugged his office. There was a, a whole media uh, campaign to discredit him. And what happens is that. He was vindicated. The HSCA vindicated Garrison. How did they vindicate it? They showed that there was a relationship between David Ferry and uh, Oswald. They even said that there was probably, or to, in, in so many words, that you know there could very well have been a relationship between Clay Shaw and Oswald. Uh, we later found out that Clay Shaw was uh, connected to intelligence and not just superficially. So, uh, so much, and he was right. He, he's, he was saying, he was one of the first saying, hey, you know what, if we really knew what went on in Mexico City, we would find a, a heck of a lot when Oswald allegedly went there and he was impersonated. And he said, if we could find out what went on there, we would probably find out a heck of a lot more about the crime. So, um, you know, he was well ahead of his time and he was vindicated after the fact. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, uh, and I think there is some risk of, uh, you know, some risk because that news 
didn't get out to the public, you know, saying that, uh, you, you know, that, that everything that he said that was right, it was not uh, covered. And uh, of course, the press wouldn't have come in to say, you know what, finally, uh, we have everything we said that was mean about him during the trial, we take it back. They're not going to do that. But the, the other thing too, uh, Len, is I want to make the difference between opinions and raw data. So in those files, you have an awful lot of raw data. And those are his attorneys, for instance, and people, investigators like Francis Fuge, providing raw data. They're reporting to him what came out of an interview and uh, what uh, what came out of a report. He's also uh, going through many files from the Warren Commission. He's uh, using new newspaper clippings. So, uh, you know, this isn't like reading a book when you go through these files. You're going, you're listening to what Perry Russo said. You're reading the polygraph reports of what Carlos Quiroga said. For instance, Carlos, this is hugely important, but Carlos Quiroga, for your listeners, is a Cuban exile. Uh, he's linked to Carlos Bringuer, Carlos Bringuer being another Cuban exile that Oswald likely had a fake fight to, you know, sort of make news around the Fair Play for Cuba committee and to paint Oswald as sort of this unhinged Marxist. Well, Carlos Quiroga visited Oswald and brought him a stack of Fair Play for Cuba flyers. He was questioned by uh, Garrison, and uh, when he was questioned, he was polygraphed. And during the polygraph, one of the questions, just to give you an idea, was, um, isn't it true that Oswald's um, a relation with the Fair Play for Cuba committee was simply a front. And he said something, he said no. Well, that came across as a lie. He knew, Quiroga knew that the Fair Play for Cuba committee was a front. And he was actually helping him by bringing him the flyers he needed to distribute. So there was some uh, coordinate, and you know, witnesses saw Quiroga and he even admitted to it. Uh, you know, and then Quiroga is known to know uh, uh, other key people. Uh, he was hanging around 544 Camp Street. Uh, he was seen uh, with people um, like, um, oh, geez, I'm forgetting his name, but some of the Cuban leaders, uh, exile leaders. So, look, th that is raw data that he, he has in there. And anybody who says that he had an agenda is wrong. Uh, you see many cases where Garrison is saying, you know what, uh, even evidence that would serve his cause, he shuns it aside because he'll say, you know what, there's not enough collaboration for this or corroboration, sorry. And uh, so in those 12,000 files, I was able to find all sorts of leads, like for instance, uh, I wrote an article about Oswald and his Cuban escorts, and you had me on your show about that. But there's like over 40 sightings of Oswald with Latino escorts, and many of them, over 20, something like 26 or 27, are of Oswald with a short Cuban, stocky, extremely powerful neck, 
you know, very hairy arms and, and, and uh, chest, a Cuban escort. And everybody describes him the same way. So it's extremely corroborative. So um, there was a manhunt for that, that Cuban escort. And that guy was made to go away. Even the FBI was looking for his escorts. And there are articles about that. So that had to go away because he's no longer a lone nut if he has a Cuban exile escort. And just to give you an idea of where that manifested itself, um, when he was a Noswald, you know, a Noswald or a, a, Nos, a double, uh, was um, doing target practice at the sports drome. At least seven witnesses in the sports room described this Oswald character acting unhinged, firing at a target of someone beside him, not his target, and driving that guy crazy, uh, explaining how to use a scope to some kid, you know, and trying to basically say, hey, you know what, the whole message there, and he had, when he was doing that practice, he was with a Cuban escort and the cuban escort was dressed up in fatigues to look like castro he had the big beard and the fatigues what the hell's going on there do you think well it's to say uh, you know they want to be able to say that that oswald had the practice you know he wasn't out of practice and people were able to you know um uh, to 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 witness his shooting and saying well you know what he wasn't a bad shot and uh, he was with a, a, a Castro sympathizer, a Latino. And uh, th that was the original, but that had to go away. So they, they couldn't even say, well, he was practicing at the sports drone because if they acknowledged that story, they would have had to acknowledge that he had Confederates. So th what I am saying is your uh, listeners really should get the files, okay, and, and ask for them. Uh, and here's the thing is you talked about Paul Abbott. Well, Paul uh, ordered the files. I think he his preliminary interest is when you and I, uh, uh, you know, when I was, spoke on um, UK Daily Plaza, uh, you know, the British group of researchers. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think he, from there, he was sending me emails and, he, you know, he understood that the big problem with the files is, okay, how do you work with them? How do you make them easy to navigate? And what he's done is he's begun a, a huge filing system where he's going through them page by page. And he has something like 10 fields for every subject. Okay, so he, he's going to have hundreds and hundreds of files. And then he has the subjects. He has the name of the people. He has the, um, the event that it corresponds with. He has location information. So say someone wanted to, uh, this came up. Uh, you know, one of the renowned uh, researchers in our community asked me for information about Frank Bartes. Frank Bartes is another interesting Cuban exile. He was at the courthouse when Oswald was arrested for the brawl with Bringier. And um, he uh, he had a weird history in Cuba there. He was part of the, you know, the, the crooked gang that uh, 
that was making money. I think he was involved with the railways in Cuba. And he's a suspicious character, very involved also with the, uh, the CRC, the, the Cuban Revolutionary Council. I think he headed it uh, after they kicked out the guy before him. Uh, so I got a request because I wrote about him in an article. And then I said, you know what? Let me see if Paul doesn't have, Paul Abbott doesn't have uh, information that we can easily get from the garrison files. And Paul communicated with the researcher and gave him four files on Frank Bartes. So I think what you're going to find from here is um, once Paul has done all his work is another very valuable source, just like we find Mary Farrell Foundation uh, very valuable. This one here will be very uh, valuable, and you'll be able to get uh, enough, and a lot of it will be raw data, and um, it'll be very useful. So, yeah, A, get the files. You know, I think, uh, Len, you'll send them to anyone who asks for them? Yeah, they're about two gigs, so I use WeTransfer, which is free, and uh, you get one week to download the files, and uh, yeah, 1.9 gigs or something, right? And your listeners need to hear what Paul Abbott will have to offer because already I'm using his index. I'm already using it. I think you saw glimpses of it. It's pretty thorough. I mean, he is really good. I don't think anybody will have uh, gone through the files. I consider that I went through them somewhat thoroughly, but I'm sure I missed a ton of things because the problem was, Len, is once, once I had started, I didn't really know how to archive the information i was going through it for the first time and so I, I you know maybe i don't know 800 pages in all of a sudden i say this theme seems to be recurring and i wished that i had annotated things better early so i'd have to go back and and, and uh, you know do all sorts of searches he will make life an awful lot easier for anyone who has those files so if you get those files you can you can navigate in them pretty well without Paul's uh, index in the sense that, you know, uh, uh, Garrison, Garrison made the subject like Thornley, for instance, has a number of files about him. There are files on Ferry, so you can go right into those files. But to see the, you know, the overlap between the files or the common denominators from one file to another, the work Paul is doing is going to be supremely useful. So thank God for people like him. Because it's not glamorous work, but you know, people who work behind the scenes like that—they they really give us a helping hand. And uh, anyway, I, I I encourage your listeners. I think you're going to have them on your show, Len. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm playing right after you. Yeah, well, that's great. So I, I I'll you know I don't want to give any more away. I think he he he'll be able to talk eloquently about it. I just want to thank him. Yeah, and it sounds like it's an um, an ongoing thing. So as he gets more and more in depth on this, uh, you know, on the descriptions and uh, you know paragraphs describing the contents and and helping research that people will know, you know, where to find stuff now. You know, where, where before you just had a name, right? He he also has noticed things. Like he sent me things and said, "Were you aware of this, or were you aware of that?" You know, because when you're doing the work he does. There are things that maybe, you know, that should be a question you ask him and say, well, what are some of the things that jump out, you know, and uh, I'll let him talk about that. But, he, he, you know, and he's been doing this for months, 
months on end. So thank you, Paul Abbott. Uh, you know, we, we, I'm sure that, I don't know, maybe eight months from now, if people combine the files you send, Land, with his index, we'll be finding stuff and we'll be reading about it on the forums. We might get some articles. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm really happy about what happened from there. And it, you know, we owe it to, yeah. Good. All right. Now, also what I did want to bring up is you have a new review up at uh, Kennedy's and King. In yes. of the new John Newman book. Um, so I didn't get a chance to read that yet, but I went over your review, and um, I thought maybe you might want to help promote that review so it might inspire people to uh, to uh, add an interest in that, in, uh, in Popoff's Mole. It's a mole hunt. Yeah, it's called Uncovering Popoff's Mole. I had to read the book twice, and I'll tell you why. It's It's fascinating, even if you read it just once, but... To be able to make the links from chapter to chapter, uh, it's it's a challenge, and it's just fact-filled. What I found incredible about uncovering Popov's mole is one of my favorite series of all time was John, the John le Carré classic, Tinker, Tailor, Soldier, Spy. Uh, the British BBC, I think, made a series on that six or seven parts with Alec Guinness as uh, George Smiley. And it was all about um, uncovering a high-level mole in, uh, you know, uh, in British intelligence, based on a true story, but it is fictional. And John le Carré was one of the best people to write about that because uh, he had intelligence background, and he went on to read write a whole series of novels, uh, and they're fascinating. I love them. Uh, this one here, I think, is just as riveting, except it's it's not it's not fiction. Um, so um, yeah, I, I, I what happened is I went to Kappa last year to do a presentation in November in Dallas, and one of the presenters through Zoom was John Newman, and he talked about his book, and I found it. His talk really interesting. I had a chance to ask him a few questions. His assistant Heather uh, was had a stand where she was selling the book, so I bought one, and uh, I went through it. And it, you know, uh, let let me say a few things about uh, John Newman because I, I was able to talk to him. I had read. Uh, you know, he's writing a series of books. I think uh, he's up to four books, including Uncovering Popov's Mall, in what will be a series of six or seven books. And it's a step-by-step -step, uh, analysis of what he uncovered in terms of intelligence background in the, the assassination. He starts off with pre-Bay of Pigs, and he, he looks at some of the characters uh, and, and some of the characters he brings up like Frank Sturgis, E. Howard Hunt, um, June Cobb are people that come and play a role later on. And he, he gives background around that, what's going on there. And then he goes on, he has, um, uh, where, uh, what is it called? Into the Storm is a, another one of his books. So I had read two of them. 
and I was about to read the three, the third one. They're very detailed. They're very well researched, but they tend to be, you know, you have to have your focus when you read uh, Newman books. Uh, I had heard, Len, that he, um, some people found him to be um, a little hesitant to point the finger at intelligence in terms of the assassination. Now, the problem with, with is I hadn't read his earlier writings, uh, Oswald and the CIA, and um, JFK in Vietnam, I think, or uh, anyway, there were great there were books that were credited, like uh, uh, the second book I mentioned is credited for uh, showing that JFK would not have gone to war. He's one of the books that are discredited for that. And the second one completely discredits the notion that the CIA had no interest in Oswald after he defected. It, it, that is ridiculous from the, 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 the get-go. Um, John's done some amazing things because one of the... Um, the things I think he's the one who pointed out, unless I'm wrong on this, but as we know, is in the weeks leading up to the assassination, both the FBI and the CIA removed Oswald from a watch list. Now, th th the reason that was important is had he been on the watch list, he could not have been in the um, Texas School Book Depository. And it, it sort of gave an excuse to be able, because it, it you know, the, the question would have come up afterwards, well, if he was on a watch list, how the heck did you leave this guy who was a defector, allegedly, okay, uh, you know, who got into a fight uh, for Marxist activity, went on the radio in, uh, you know, New Orleans, then he goes to Mexico City and he meets uh, you know, a high-level intelligence officer known to be involved in assassinations, you're telling me that this guy was taken, you know, was, imagine, imagine had he been on the watch list, you're telling me you let this guy um, in the Texas School Book Depository? That's a heck of an embarrassment. And it, it, by the way, even if he was removed from the watch list, it still was an embarrassment for the FBI and uh, the CIA, so they had to cover it up and say, well, we were never interested, he was always harmless, he was this and that. You know, he, he, they tried to present him as someone who uh, was really, you know, not on anybody's radar. And that removal from the watch list that is simultaneous is something that, that deserves utmost suspicion. And uh, Newman is credited for that. Another thing that he does well, uh, John Newman, is because of his intelligence. He did 20 years in Army intelligence. So he is credited for deciphering uh, cryptonyms. And I'll give you a key one that he deciphered. One is a guy called, I think it's Emilio Rodriguez. Now, why was he, this guy important to decipher? I'll tell you, he is a Cuban exile. He uh, he did some spying in Cuba for the Americans, and he's very connected to JM Wave. And he later 
either he or his father, I think it's him, ends up in Mexico City in and around the time that Oswald goes there. There's a link there. But the biggest link, Len, is the following one. When Oswald is in New Orleans, okay, he's in cahoots with Cuban exiles, but that is being kept hidden. And likely one of the people that he was in cahoots with, we mentioned Carlos Caroga, I would say probably Bringer, okay. Another one is another Rodriguez. This Rodriguez ran a, a language school. And Oswald goes to meet him and says, hey, I'd like to learn Spanish. And by the way, I'd like to be able to help you guys out in your cause. And it's this Rodriguez guy who links Oswald to Carlos Bringer and then the fight and so on and so forth. Well, it ends up the two guys are brothers. Okay, the JM Wave guy and the Bringer in the language school are brothers. So what you have here, if you take the Rodriguez, because the father himself is also got links to intelligence. So you've got a JM Wave New Orleans link there that's really interesting. And then you have, I mean, of course, you have Joanides, who's out of James Wave, JM Wave. Joanides is the guy who eventually... Um, you know, stalled and obfuscated for the CIA when the HSCA was doing their investigation and he did everything to thwart it and he lied about having no relations, uh, you know, with uh, the case whatsoever, the assassination, yet he was handling the DRE, okay? And the DRE, of course, was being headed by Carlos Bringer in, in New Orleans, that is. So you're starting to see the links between JM Wave and New Orleans. There's a conduit there. And that is thanks to, uh, uh, and well, thanks in part to people like John Newman who busted that kryptonite. So, you know, when you say the devil is in the details, those are some of the things he, he's been able to do. And right now, he sunk his teeth. He was writing, uh, you know, uh, the fourth book in his series. And he kept finding information about a high-level mole in the U.S. intelligence. And let me explain. The Americans had a double agent or, you know, their own mole in the U.S., a guy called Piotr Popov who defected to the U.S. in 1952. In 1957, Popov told his U.S. handlers that he said he felt that they were onto him, the Russians, and he said that he was aware that there was a high-level U.S. mole in the U.S., a U.S. mole in U.S. intelligence. So that's how this... You know, that's why we call it Popov's Mole. And a lot of writers have written about that. Well, not a lot. A few have, like uh, Malcolm Blunt has, has looked into it, uh, Peter Dale Scott. But what Newman does here is he, um, he really pushed the research to, uh, you know, a level that is mesmerizing. And when I read 
uncovering Popov's mold. The reason I had to read it tw twice is you have a conveyor belt of facts and, and dates and names, and a lot of the names are Russian. So, you know, you, you, you try and, 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 you know, make sense out of everything. I had to make sort of a little database of the names and say, okay, who's this guy? Who He's a handler. He's a double agent. He's a, so getting, you know, your bearings uh, can be a, a little bit of a challenge when you read this. But look, what it did for me is, I, I mean, I think everybody, you know, in the research agree, uh, community agrees that Oswald's sojourn into Russia and his activities on behalf of the Fair Play for Cuba committee were intelligence missions. Okay, so the next question you ask yourself is, well, what kind of asset was Oswald to the CIA or intelligence? I mean, the guy, yes, I know he liked uh, espionage. He, his favorite uh, show was I Led Three Lives. He uh, learned Russian. He was a radar operator on a U-2 spy plane, but he is, you know, a guy who didn't finish high school. Well, wait, you mean in, in Natsugi, he worked in a place where they where they had radar for yeah. the U-2? Yes. Yeah, Natsugi. In, in, uh, exactly. We know, though, that, you know, on the flip side, this he's not, you know, he's not James Bond there. I mean, you know, he, he doesn't have the education. He's not really good with weapons. He's, uh, he learns Russian. So, w you know, what kind of asset is he? And then you look, try and think of a, a bona fide spy who would like to, you know, get a mission such as distributing fair play for Cuba flyers in New Orleans, you know, at the height of the Cold War. I mean, that's not something you would see George Smiley do from Tinker Taylor's Soldier Spy. You know, you, you have to ask yourself, what was his mission? You know, when he goes to Russia, he, he's going there. Yeah, maybe someone said to me, you know, he was there maybe to see how the Russians uh, questioned defectors and, and to observe. But, you know, in a sense, he doesn't have any control on where he's going to end up. You know, he doesn't know that he's going to end up in Minsk. He doesn't know, you know, so it, 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 what was his mission? So the the idea here from, uh, from John Newman is that when Popov said that he was going to be, you know, uh, apprehended, which occurred a year later, in 1958, the Russians captured him and put him to death. Now, the way the Russians did it is they gave themselves an awful lot of time so as to not reveal who their mole was in the U.S. If, if they had done things quickly, they because they, they, by then Popov was drinking heavily. He, was, he became somewhat of a loose cannon. So the Russians had various other means they could say or they could put forward by to say that this is why we knew he was a traitor. You know, in other words, the timing of, of how, the timing of his capture and and the information around that they put out around his capture had to at the same time, hide all traces of a mole in the U.S. Nevertheless, he said there was a mole. 
So it was certain there would be a mole hunt. So now let's let's look at another major. Let's get away from John Newman for a while because you're going to see how this um, this comes to play. Um, trying to make sure I can explain this properly. One of the key things that has been revealed in the last years is how Oswald's CIA file was handled. First of all, one thing that was extremely suspicious is that there was not a 201 file open. The second thing that came out thanks to an HSCA investigator uh, called Betsy Wolf was that the, the way it was handled, okay, his file, uh, you know, from the, I'm trying to, you know, the traffic, I think it's called the traffic division. Anyway, where the information would come in, there are directions given to, okay, where do we file the information on Oswald? And the files on Oswald instead of going to the Soviet Russian division, where it should normally have gone because he had defected to Russia, it wasn't going there. It was going to the Office of Security. Now, the Office of Security, the reason it was going there, Len, according to Newman, is that he was being used on the mole hunt by the Office of Security. So what that meant, and, and the person assigned to handle the mole hunt was a guy called Bruce Soli. Now, what this does is that you take Angleton, who's extremely high level if he wasn't in charge of the Soviet Russian division, everybody, all the research in, researchers, including Newman, up until this book, thought that it was Angleton who was responsible for the handling of Oswald's files. Okay, so let me repeat that. Everybody, you know, that, that, that uh, you know, analyzed the Betsy Wolf um, information about how the files were being managed, thought that it was an Angleton, uh, an Angleton stratagem. And what Newman says, no, it wasn't. Uh, Angleton had to have a little bit of distance because the mole was thought to be in his division, in the Soviet-Russia division. Now, what that meant is enter Oswald. What's his role? Well, he, he, he goes in there and, and he's being used as a mark card. In other words, they know the Russians should bite on Oswald, or the theory is they should bite on Oswald because... He has U-2 spy plane knowledge, and the U-2 spy plane was the biggest thorn in the Russian side during the Cold War at, during that period. It was one of their biggest thorns. And Oswald, therefore, goes to Russia as a flytrap. And the idea is to see, okay, who, what kind of information, who's making requests for information? Who's looking into it? How is information transiting from Russia to the U.S.? They're going to probably want to know from their mole. 
what about this Oswald guy? I'm, I'm simplifying this. John Newman could give you a much better explanation than me, but the point is, is by observing action around the file, you could flush out them all. Now, that, that was a tactic, except here's the kicker. That stratagem was put into place by Bruce Soley, who, according to Newman, was the mole. Okay, so, <laughs> and uh, therefore, it was designed to fail. Now, where does this all come to play? Well, it still means that Oswald is an intelligence pawn. Okay, one of the people referred to him as a useful idiot. A useful idiot, well, you know, again, who do you use as flypaper and something like that? Who, who, um, you know, who do you, you send out to distribute fair play for Cuba flyers of all things? And so there are roles for that type of person. And, and you know what? It, when I did um, my article on the prior plots to assassinate JFK, I found a whole bunch of profiles of people, ex-Marines, with supposed mental problems that were representing the Fair Play for Cuba committee who were being set up as potential patsies. Or, you know, you could make that argument. I, I have a whole bunch of people of that, of that nature. You have Polycarpo Lopez. You have Yvonne Marlowe. Uh, Richard K. Snigel comes into play because he definitely had uh, his intelligence history he had links to the Fair Play for Cuba committee, and he had, uh, you know, a history of mental problems, supposedly. So, uh, they're documented. But anyway, the point is, is Oswald, the useful idiot, is sent to Russia as flypaper, according to Newman. This is, by the way, I, I want to say this, is this is a thesis. So, John is not presenting this as fact. He's saying, look, this is a th thesis, and let me tell you how I support this thesis. Now, if you go on, on how he supports it, he gets, uh, one of his key sources is Tenant Pete Bagley. Tenant Pete Bagley was extremely involved in handling Russian defectors. So he knows a number of the characters, and he knows the history around uh, Popov, and he knows, uh, you know, he knows about some of the false defectors who come in. One of the false defectors that is involved in this story is a guy called Nozenko. Now, Nozenko's somewhat of a buffoon. He is easy. It is easy to demonstrate that this guy is a liar. He's he did two defections or two provocations is what Newman calls them. One of the provocations was done in 1962 and that provocation was done to um, deflect from a real deflector, a uh, defector, a guy called, I think it's Gollitson. Okay. So the Americans, you see how complicated this gets. Okay. You, you have this defector who comes to the U S and he says, yeah, there is a mole. In your and if you let me look at certain files, I think I can help you identify them all. And the reason I think I can help you identify them all is I know of some information that made it to from the U.S. to Russia. 
And if I look at the files and I can help figure out who had knowledge about that type of information, I'll be able to give you some candidates on, because the information that made its way to Russia, you know, on certain, on certain issues could only have come from certain people. And we can find that. And he's negotiating this with Angleton. But Angleton is telling him, tell all this to Bruce Soli. Gollitson does not trust Bruce Soli. It's clear from the book that he thinks he's a candidate for the, being them all. Now, what happens is the Russians send another defector to try and deflect from Gollitson. And this guy is called Nozenko. Nozenko gives him chicken feet. Okay, chicken feed in terms of quality of information about Russian intelligence, but enough to convince people, well, maybe he should be taken seriously. It doesn't go very far in 1962. Where does he come back into play? It's in 1964 when the Warren Commission is under work. So now he defects and Bruce Soli is saying, no, no, this guy is the real deal. We've got to listen to him. The goal of Nazenko during the second defection was to convince the Americans that the Russians never had any interest in Oswald. And, you know, really, Oswald was just a nuisance. So therefore, forget any ideas that Russia could have been involved, you know, with Oswald in the assassination. Again, I'm saying it in, in very simplified ways, but John, you know, uh, covers this, I think, very thoroughly in his book. Many people see him as a buffoon, but don't want to say it. And case in point is the FBI. The FBI is saying, no, no, Nazenko's for real, he's for real. Why? Because if you don't believe Nazenko, then you have to believe that Oswald should have been on a watch list and that he could have been in cahoots with the Russians. That was just too embarrassing for the FBI. It probably was embarrassing for, uh, you know, uh, not embarrassing, but it's probably suited to the Warren Commission who wanted to go the lone nut route. So to go the lone nut route, you kind of wanted to believe Nazenko's story that, uh, you know, Oswald didn't have any international Confederates either. It, it, I mean, obviously, I'm giving you a summary, right? It's, it, it, we're talking about a 300-page book. So I, I'm, I'm trying to bring this down to, to you know, what the gist of, of uh, Newman's thesis is. Now, if, he, if you accept this, Okay, if you accept this thesis, what it means is Angleton, okay, he was a chief of counterintelligence for the CIA from 1954 to 1975. It would have meant that he had been fooled a second time by a traitor, okay, because in 1963, uh, Kim Philby of British intelligence completely pulled the rug from and fooled Angleton. And he was a high level double agent for the Soviets. And he even wrote about how he made minced meat out of Angleton. Okay, so now imagine this. 
Philby manipulated Angleton. Now imagine that Soli did the same thing. Now, what do we know about Angleton? Is he turned into a paranoid, uh, you know, paranoid mole hunter that was completely confused by the time he, he retired from the CIA. It also means that the Soviet Russia division within the CIA would have been turned inside out. So what, what was happening, Len, throughout all this is Angleton was feeding solely secrets because he was saying, well, you know, he's giving him a lot of information. He's always asking questions. Okay, well, what information, uh, you know, we're hearing this from the Russia. So uh, uh, Angleton was blabbing about some of the intelligence and giving it to Soli to cooperate in the Mohan. And this information was making itself, uh, you know, available to his Russian contacts, Soli's Russian contacts. Then you have to look at Oswald. What does it mean? Well, it means that you have to look at his sojourn in Russia through a completely different prism. Okay, you, you, it, it, you know, you, you, it, it, people can start asking themselves a question, well, what was he told to do there? And what was his real use there? So everything we thought about Angleton, you know, I, I think the guy stinks as high, uh, you know, like uh, stinks to, to high heaven there in, 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 in his behavior and everything. But we still have to really rethink what, everything we thought we knew about Angleton. Now, he provides a very interesting quote from Pete Bagley. Pete Bagley is one of his key sources who passed away. And he's quoted as saying that solely provided rock-like protection to Nazenko. There is no doubt. Why is the question? The bond was sealed by Nozenko's marrying Soli's wife's sister. Let's add Soli to the shortlist. Now, the shortlist is a shortlist of candidates for them all. That's a strong start. It's a very strong start to his book. Because you can see this is not just a fabulation. He, uh, you know, tested an awful lot of theories. He got his information. Uh, not only from Bagley, uh, John got an awful lot of information from uh, some of the declassified files. He is ferreting through them like nobody else right now. He's being helped by Malcolm Blunt. He also got a hold of Soli's travel data, something incredibly, uh, Len, that he got through Ancestors.com. And anyway, he, he uses the travel data. He uses the... Um, the way he backs Nozenko, and he uses an awful lot of um, the positions that, that Soli took, to, to, and then he uses information that makes its way to Russia to build a really solid case against Soli. Now, let me, let me go on. I just want to make sure uh, I, I, uh, there's another point that comes up. Okay, this, this is really interesting. So... How do we know Nozenko was lying? It's not fully clear, but he had trouble with one of the polygraphs that he went through. Okay, so I don't sure on which questions, but clearly Bagley didn't trust him. There was deception. The next thing he was saying was that Oswald, that there was no interest in Oswald while he was in Russia. Okay, flash forward. 
there's a genuine defector that comes to the U.S. in 1981. Or I'm not sure exactly what date, but 1981, this genuine defector, his name is Sergei Papushin. He reveals some of the hidden history in Minsk, in, in, in Minsk where Oswald was stationed, that completely destroyed Nozenko's, uh, uh, you know, the post persona that solely had helped peddle around Nozenko. And what he had to say, it, it's amazing, but it was only released to the public in the U.S. in 2017, I'm talking about Papushan. Okay, and here's what he had to say. He says Oswald was being handled, and he was being handled from a school, okay, a spy school in Minsk, okay, and that he spoke with some of the handlers because he was uh, stationed in that school also. And here, he says, Oswald was considered an agent and was being handled by two teachers named Slutzer and Yorshak, who were colleagues of Papushin at the Minsk KBG Higher School of Counterintelligence. The KGB considered using Oswald as a source after his return to the U.S., but ended up rejecting the idea. Papushin also stated that Oswald was considered unstable and a bit crazy by one of the handlers. Oswald fell into a deep depression before returning to the U.S. Marina was also considered an agent, who also considered an agent, was a swallow. A swallow for them was a plant used to recruit men by getting them in bed. Marina was interested in Oswald, but more interested in escaping Russian poverty. She didn't really like that role. Okay. Now, that to me, uh, I was reading that and I said, wow, um, we have this defector. It makes sense. There is no way in my mind that a guy who has U2 information is in Russia for almost two years and is not being handled. So that, that proves, A, that Oswald was being handled. It certainly reveals much closer ties of Oswald with intelligence as well as Marina with Russian intelligence. Not that I think she was involved with Russian intelligence by the time she was in Dallas or, or New Orleans. That I can't prove, but I, I would not think so. I, I'll let the... Your readers, you know, your listeners, um, they should read the review. If they read the review, it's only 12 pages, but they'll get a feeling of how important this book is. And there are some questions, though, that I have. And, and here they are, you know, to me, they haven't been handled, not handled, they haven't been answered in my view, okay? And I talked to John Newman about this. The first one, man, is if Oswald... Okay, the last thing the Russians wanted and solely wanted is an excuse for the Americans to go to war with, uh, you know, Russia. That's why it was important that even the Russians position Oswald as a lone nut. And that's what part of Nozenko's mission was when he came to the U.S. 
Okay, that's one of the reasons he came. So, who handled Oswald when he went to Mexico City and he's being positioned as someone who's in cahoots with Cuban agents and meeting the Russian uh, Kostikov, uh, who's uh, seen as the head of assassinations in the Western Hemisphere. You know, so so what happened there? Did, did someone hijack Oswald somehow? It, that That is a big unknown for me. The second thing is Angleton is being duped by Soli, right? But at the same time, his friend and collaborator, Alan Dulles, is on the Warren Commission. And what does Warren, what does Dulles want in mid-1964? Does he want to play ball with the lone nut? Uh, you know, the lone nut version by now? Probably. Or does he want to push for uh, Oswald being in cahoots with uh, Cuban agents? I think not. So what impact does that have on Angleton? In other words, is Dulles saying to Angleton, hey, look, we're going the lone nut route. So, yeah, you better accept Nozanko's bona fides. We need to accept that Nozanko is real because he is claiming that the Russians had no interest in Oswald. If we don't accept that, then we're going to the whole Russian Confederates or Cuban Confederates route could open up or we'll have to investigate it. So, you know, that, that those are the layers and those are some of the unanswered questions. So, look, I just found it deeply fascinating. Uh, I, some of the stuff I discussed with John Newman, we spoke over the phone. And another interesting thing that came up, and I sent him some files on this, Richard Case Nagel. Okay, so Richard Case Nagel, for your listeners, right, he's supposed to be a double agent. He's supposed to have received orders from Russia to take care of Oswald. Okay. And we know what he ends up doing. Eh? He, 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 he ends up getting himself put into jail so he, he, he won't go down with this. You know, he won't be around when the assassination takes place. So he'll have his alibi. But guess who looks into his dossier, into Nagel's dossier? It's Bruce Soli. So I found some files that connect Bruce Soli with research on Nagel. And I sent that to John. I don't know how to read that right now. Ultimately, it's a fascinating book. And I'll tell you, even if you don't accept his thesis, some people will say, you know what, I'm not sure that Soli is the elusive mole. But look, when you read his book, other things that you, you can latch on to here is, and this is what I, I got out of the book, is I think that Oswald was likely a useful idiot being used as a mark card during his Russian soldier sojourn. This goes a long way in explaining the very incriminating administration of his CIA files as uncovered by Betsy Wolf of the HSCA. Nozenko, I think he was clearly a plant that the FBI, CIA, and others were keen to accept as genuine to protect their own image 
and to support the lone nut scenario that excluded foreign influence in the assassination. Three, Newman identifies for the first time how the Russians handled Oswald in Minsk and who his handlers were. Four, Marina is described as a non-willing swallow or plant used in honey traps who wanted out from this role and to escape Eastern Bloc poverty. And that, you know, links in, links in to her possible relationship with another defector called Webster, which would be a huge coincidence. Her links are, are you know, her proximity to Webster are, are crazy. Five, the CIA was clearly stung by Russian penetration as were other European allies and NATO. One thing that John does incredibly well in this book is he shows how the Russians penetrated French intelligence, I mean to the hilt, and English intelligence. Angleton comes across as a twice-jilted narcissistic sucker, and Oswald was seen as unreliable and weird by the Russians and of no use as a double agent. That's a heck of a lot to come out of uh, one book there, all the, what I'm telling you there. And, and there's a lot more. Uh, there's a lot more. I mean, he, he, the information he gives about Oswell, uh, no, JFK's differences with the Pentagon and his, uh, you know, his uh, attitudes towards nuclear strikes, like uh, a JFK wanted to make sure that cities wouldn't be struck if there was a nuclear reaction and that the reaction had to be measured. Uh, the Hawks really wanted him to hit hard uh, to the point where he presents a solid argument that, yeah, uh, JFK not wanting to go into Vietnam was a motivation maybe to have him assassinated. His, uh, you know, his uh, detente that he was trying to plan with, uh, with Castro uh, may have been, you know, and his economic policies, but he really shows also how there was a major wedge between Kennedy's ideas of how to use nuclear uh, power versus the hawks like Curtis LeMay, Lemnitzer. He has an interesting, really interesting analysis of uh, Taylor. Taylor, who... Um, looking for his first name there. Taylor, who, uh, you know, helped write the documents. Maxwell Taylor? Maxwell Taylor. Well, he shows that Maxwell Taylor had a secret relationship with Lemnitzer and that he eventually, uh, you know, cooperated with Lemnitzer and was even somewhat of a spy for Lemnitzer within the White House. Uh, so... You know, it's, I'm, I'm throwing a lot at you. You don't have to buy it on the surface. You have to give the book a chance. If you give the book a chance and you read it, um, I came across it. Now, look, do I accept his thesis? This is what I, I'm a bit measured on that, Lynn. I still think that it has to be peer reviewed by people who understand intelligence and intelligence operations more than I do. On the surface, what he writes makes an awful lot of sense. Uh, you know, I, I would have a lot of trouble explaining all these uh, chains of events that he presents and the, you know, the like he really uses not just one element of corroboration, 
he, he finds three and four levels of co corroboration for each point that he wants to make. And some aren't easy to make. You know, people, I, I suggest that if you read this book, just note down, note down who the characters are. As you, you, you know, you read a character and you're going to say Nozenko, okay, mark down Nozenko, put down his title, the date that he comes into play, do the same thing with Gollitson, do the same thing with uh, Papushin, and, and, and get the names down straight so that when you navigate through and you say, okay, yeah, who's he again? And I had to do that, and that really helped me for the second reading. So I, I strongly recommend the book. I think it was, uh, and I think people's impressions, uh, Len, of John Newman, when you read this book, you'll see what his uh, his premises are with respect to uh, intelligence and a possible role in the assassination. I, I don't think he sees that there's an institutional coup by the CIA. He hasn't pronounced himself on that. But his premises are definitely that Oswald is being handled by intelligence. Okay, so he's not pulling punches on that. He sees an intelligence uh, link, how rogue or not rogue or, or you know, and, and who the definite characters are. You know, that, that I think is part of the, his future writings. I think he's zeroing in on that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, that's... Uh, okay, good. Well, your review is at Kennedy's and King. We'll make a link to that, read the review, and then it'll either inspire people to uh, get the book and, and read the book and go further. Oh, yeah, they won't, they won't be disappointed. They, they won't be... Uh, uh, you know, the, the facts come in flying. I mean, it's just... And by the way, I'll tell you this much. If somebody reads it well, if, if people think Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy uh, had the material, and it did, obviously, for a classic, in here, it, it, it's riveting. I mean, what what this would mean in terms of, of uh, the U you know, it's, it wouldn't be a proud moment there for, for the CIA if Soli, in fact, was the mole. And, and what it means... There is a story there, and it's perhaps the biggest story of intelligence treason, or one of the biggest for sure in U.S. history. And uh, maybe even if it's not uncovered, it's still a huge story. In other words, that it has never been solved, or maybe it was solved, but people don't want to admit to just how compromised uh, the CIA was for a period of time during the Cold War. Uh, I find it just uh, mesmerizing. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Paul. Always a pleasure listening to your work and uh, insight. So I think people appreciate that. And I guess until next time, just keep me in the loop and email me anytime something is new. Yeah, we have something fun coming, Len, for the fall. And uh, you'll be the first on our list. Um, uh, there's five of us working on um, something for the 60th and we'd love to be on your show, maybe a series uh, I'll talk to you about it uh, we're, we're hoping to present this at the conferences in the fall and uh, I think you'll like it, especially when I, I look at your 50 reasons for 50 years, what you did there I think you'll appreciate what is being done now in, on sort of a different plane, but uh, 
<laughs> I'm giving you a little hint, but it should be an awful lot of fun. All right. Okay, thank you very much, Paul. Take care, Len. Okay. Au revoir. Au revoir. You're listening to Black Op Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Black Op Radio. In this segment, we are speaking to Paul Abbott. He's done research on the garrison files that we offer, and he has an update on on archiving and indexing things. Uh, so anyway, hello, Paul. Hi, Len. Good to be with you. That Where are you? You're in Australia? I'm in Perth, Australia. Yeah. yeah, Great to have listeners all over the world. Okay, well, I'm looking at you. sent me um, uh, a couple of days ago a spreadsheet, which is for the garrison files. Now, people download the garrison files. They're going to get approximately two gigs of hundreds of PDF of a manila envelope or yeah. I can't think of the word for it, but the little folder with yeah. the person's name on it. And then as you scroll down, you might get anywhere from three to 125 pages on each thing. And what you've yeah. done is made a spreadsheet where you don't have to just kind of stumble through. You have who, a folder material, where it is. Like, for instance, you might be interested in Chicago, Miami, Mexico, Dallas, Los Angeles. And then because it's a spreadsheet, you can change these f- file um, columns to start, you know, look, I want to know every, whatever, all, what are all the files of Mexico, right? What mm. are all the files of Havana, you know? And, and uh, so, first of all, what gave you the idea to do this? Well, it was when I um, asked you for the folders, Len, and um, obviously, uh, yeah, downloaded the, uh, the the two gigabytes worth, and was, yeah, just uh, you know, completely blown away by how much was in there. And um, I, I just thought to myself, wouldn't it be good if there was a an index and a, a, of all the names and content? And I imagine that people back in the day <laughs> thought the same thing about the Warren Commission when when that report was was um, released. So. Really, probably quite selfishly for my own purposes, I just thought, well, I'll, as I go through things, I'll just, I'll just create, you know, a bit of a, you know, I'll just note down the names that I, I, I see on the pages, and it really took off from there. And obviously, uh, Paul Blow um, uh, has, has has been also going through through these folders and um, putting out some fantastic um, uh, articles, and I think he's got some in the works at the moment as well now. So, so I, I, I just really reached out to him and and said, look, I'm I'm doing this as well. If I come across anything, I'll I'll, I'll let you know. And it, it's really gone on from there. That was so. This started in May of uh, 2022. So um, it's it's been going for a while. I I, I have a, a full time job, but it's just something I do after hours as a bit of a bit of a you know, passion project. I've I've been interested in the Kennedy assassination for um, yeah. Uh, fairly long time, uh, coming up to 30 years. So, uh, yeah, there's something to give back to um, to the, you know, the, the, so much of the, the research and good work that is is, is going on now and, and uh, that, that I've, I feel like I've benefited from over the years as well. Yeah, very good. You know, the thing is that because the mystery of the assassination is not exactly spelled out, that, that there is no final conclusion, you know, let's just say Alan Dulles ordered it or whatever, or, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, the thing is, people actually have an, an opportunity to contribute because, like, mm. we find the garrison files, then I can't go through them all, so somebody else will go through them. And Paul uh, Blow will really dig up stuff, give me, you know, uh, 
consideration on where I should be looking. And then someone like you has this interest. Well, what if we organized it better? So if you wanted mm -hmm. to find out about how many how many articles or or statements. Uh, depositions on Rose Sheremy does they have you know where you'd have to look forever so mm. uh, this is just um, amazing and and then when you get it you kind of get that feeling hey we're getting a little, we're chipping away to what really happened you know we're a little closer with every yeah. every um, body contributing you know um, so it's yeah, not just absolutely. one person you know it's not just um, you know Kappa or, or just Cyril Wecht or Oliver Stone. It's, a, it's the group of people that, of mm. you know, networking and saying, well, here's, what can I do to help? I've got an idea. I think I could do this. Other people have gone through x-rays, other people, you know, and mm. the whole community, is, there's quite a bit to offer here. And uh, these Garrison files, quite frankly, until Paul Blow, uh, you know, they were just overwhelming because I'd click on one and I told them I'd start reading and it's 125 pages long, yeah. you know, and yeah. that's not even they, the longest, right? No, the, the longest is, and I think I've, I've gone through it. It's the, it's called Miss, Miss, M-I-S-C, so short miscellaneous, miscellaneous yeah. one, one of seven, and that's 385 pages, no duplicates either, which is, Kind of been one one of the um the, yeah one one of the, the pleasant things that I've come across every now and then is when when I think I've got to go through um you know two hundred pages of um, scans and I'm I'm working through and I, I get to a certain point and it's like oh hang on these are all duplicates of what I've just gone through so some sometimes you know that that's a, a happy uh, yeah happy thing because what I what I don't want to do is yeah you mentioned um organizing the files uh, it's not just cataloging the names but I, I do i want to just have a single reference to every single name on every single page so whether there's three copies of a you know for example a report that you know scambra might have filed back in you know, november of 67 to jim garrison as part of that investigation but it you know there's a there's a, a copy of that in two other folders um well i'm, I'm not going to catalog those ones either we're just going to have the single single reference to it to um to obviously avoid any confusion or um, with, with duplication so ho hopefully that helps as well right now what does someone have to know if they get this uh, about the presentation here just the format yeah so it, it's so the idea is is when when this is finished will it, it will be something that um you know you you can you can make available on on um through your page or or even when you send out uh, the the two gigs worth of folders to people to send this spreadsheet out because it is it's a very simple format um i, I think it'd be great um we were talking before it'd be really good to link the you know the the pages or the uh, at least the folders directly into the spreadsheet so someone yeah, i guess i wanted to tell people that it's excel so if they yeah, know what oh, an excel yeah. and a spreadsheet is so yeah, when talking very, very the columns of column a is who b yeah. is folder pages yeah. the number of pages where yeah, uh, yeah and then organization and then when and then general context so you have yeah. um you know, a sentence or two just saying, and then you have context of who. So who are the people they're talking about in there? And yeah. uh, and then, you know, other places like, uh, you know, Clay Shaw or the trademark. You want to, you know, search trademark. Well, how many, you mm. know, folders are, you know, have research in yeah, the tra international trademark. Yeah. So 
um, that's what's it's just amazing and uh, it's going to be such a benefit for people who have a specific interest and they download the garrison files and then they want to look you know um, for, you know from Clay Shaw's notebooks what's in them right? and right away here you you can do that right absolutely yeah and it's um it, what what's probably since we last spoke Liam, what what I uh, found is that there's a lot a lot in here that, that actually postdates Garrison's um, investigation in the 60s and, and 70s. Um, I, I made the point last time I was speaking with you that he never really stopped looking. He obviously wrote books and was involved in the, um, obviously, the production of JFK, the movie. Um, but what, what what's evident in these folders is that there's just such a compilation of collection of news articles and um you know pen jones the you know the the, the researcher from um midlothian texas he i'm not sure if you're aware but he had a he ran a um a newsletter uh, that from what i can see was started up around the mid to late 70s um and uh, obviously the equivalent today of what what we might see you know with the kennedys and king and you know your website and and others you know this was a paper-based um, uh, gazette that, that that went out, and and the amount of content in that he's pulled together, um, you know, some some original articles, references to interviews. Um, it's, it's that that's been massive. There is just so much just from Penn Jones that that is coming out in these folders as well. So huge. It's um, so it really does just it goes above and beyond the Garrison investigation in the sixties that we're all probably most familiar with. Right. Okay. So, can you give me an example of one or two items that going through these files that you uh, that really caught your attention? And uh... yeah, yeah. So, um, look, probably yeah. Just just having a. Uh, obviously, I'm not I'm not really a, an expert or anything like that. So that you know, some people out there that this might tally, but um, yeah, you know, there's there's a reference to a Lloyd John Wilson who contacted a newspaper in Chicago um, uh, to say that uh, he was about to hand himself in to the local FBI. Uh, he was there at the the, uh, the FBI building in Chicago and was about to hand himself in because of his involvement in the uh, Kennedy assassination, uh, John F. Kennedy. Um, but uh, the reference um, uh, has it that uh, uh, the, the FBI intercepted him. So what, what came of Lloyd John Wilson? Now that's that's one one example of a little you know a little little bit of a, a nugget which might um, tie in with research that others have done or it might might precipitate another thread of of thinking. Um, there's also just some really really strange coincidences as well that um, that that uh, you know through through association with, which I've picked up on. Um, so there, there's quite a bit in these folders uh, to do with the exhumation of um, uh, Oswald's coffin. Um, you know, because that was a, uh, again, not sure if people know, but that was a, a pretty ugly and extended uh, legal battle that was going on between, um, uh, part in between the Oswald family, but was instigated by a British researcher by the name of Michael Eddowes. Um, and Marina Oswald had consented to the exhumation of Oswald's coffin, but uh, Robert Oswald was uh, fighting against it. Anyway, the, the lawyer for Robert Oswald at the time, was a person by the name of Craig Fowler. Now, Penn Jones, this comes out of Penn Jones's continuing inquiry, he makes reference to a Clayton Fowler who um, was actually Jack Ruby's defence 
lawyer after he had shot Lee Oswald, um, but also himself, this Clayton Fowler, had links to uh, LBJ and apparently his illegal importation of gold. You know, so um, there's, there's the inference that uh, this Craig Fowler who represented Robert Oswald and Clayton Fowler who represented Jack Ruby were um, related. So, so, you know, you, you, you just pick on, up on these little coincidences which could mean nothing or, or maybe something. So no, not exactly groundbreaking, but that, that's, um, that's pretty interesting. Um, Jerry Bruno. Um, I'm jumping around a bit, but uh, Jerry Bruno, he was the uh, Secret Service advance man. Um, so he helped to organise the parade route for um, uh, JFK in Dallas. He wasn't there in Dallas on the day. Um, it turns out he was the advance man for Robert F. Kennedy in Los Angeles and wasn't there on that day either. So you know, little, little, we've got little coincidences like that which are, which are very interesting. But probably the thing which is uh, one of the things that's really staggered me the most is we, we have a we have an, another example of um, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald and his activities in and out of the Fair Play for Cuba committee, but um, and, and uh, his alleged attempts to um, to get to Cuba by way of Mexico. There was a person by the name of John Glenn, not to be confused with the um, of course the astronaut who um, uh, apparently joined the Fair Play for Cuba in autumn of 1962 um, before trying to uh, gain entry into Cuba by way of Mexico. But he didn't, he wasn't successful at that time, but he was, when he tried again, the, the same same um, same route, he was able to, um, to gain entry into Cuba in the summer of 1963, which is obviously around the same time that Lee Oswald was, uh, pamphleting for uh, the Fair Play for Cuba, and obviously in that um, street scuffle with uh, anti-Castro Cubans in New Orleans as well. But um, you know that that that, that that's uh, you know, a few points. But the modus operandi for this John Glenn, it's just the similarities with Oswald continue. He had a a, um, a PO box which was his mailing address, same as Oswald. He was also a subscriber to the militant. He'd also travelled to Russia. Um, and before all of that, his first job out of college was working in the US Air Force in intelligence. I mean, if that's not an early, you know, if that's not an early version of, uh, a slightly earlier version of Oswald, I don't know what is. Uh, and so, little, you know, uh, hopefully that means something to, to people out there in the, in the broader scheme of things. Um, but yeah, but we jump around again as well. Um, back into the folders, um, the the folder labelled Texas AG. So this was the investigation, which I believe was carried out by the Texas Attorney General. I think it was Wagoner Carr. Um, there's word in uh, or a testimony in there by Vicky Adams, who um, most familiar with the case will remember as. Uh, being in the uh, book depository at the time of the Kennedy shooting and uh, was descending down the stairs, I believe, um, at the time that Oswald was was meant to be making his dash down the um, the stairs, having um, yeah, from having apparently thrown away his manlika kakano. Uh, but Vicky Adams testified at the time to um, uh, recognising Jack Ruby. Um, right outside the the uh, Texas School Book Depository in the immediate aftermath of the shooting, apparently he was quite animated and gesturing quite wildly to someone else. 
Um, and interestingly enough, I think, I'm not sure if this is in Barry Ernest's book, but Vicki Adams, when she went back inside to the book depository because the building still wasn't completely sealed, um, she noted that the power was off inside, so n none of the lifts um, were, were working. Um, and, and this is pretty close to the, the time of, of the assassination. So, again, a, maybe another little nugget for, for people out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I've got a few more, Len. It's, um, I'm really jumping all over the place. but That's uh, okay because I think that that's what happens. You know, you know when I when I open up the files, I jump all over the place. I, I yeah. just don't start with A and B. You know, I, I look at the titles or I look at the guy's name and I'm thinking, you know, well, who's this guy? And then click and you start reading and then it's down a rabbit hole, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Carrie, aff uh, sorry, Carrie Thornley, his affidavit, you know. Yeah. Um, the New Orleans connections. Uh, there's there's Dallas connections. There's so many. There's just so many. So much to do, right? Well, imagine, mm. you know, if people know how big a, a typical letter is, and you know, kilobytes, right? And we've got like almost two megs, two gigs of it, two gigs. Yeah. Like wow. Yeah, but what what's interesting though, what I've kind of been noting to myself as I, I go through this, uh, are the names that aren't mentioned. You know, so maybe there's something to be gained from uh, obviously the the, the people that uh, don't, uh, you know, they're, they're, there's very little or no reference to. So I, I'm talking about, you know, even Alan Dulles, you know, with how prolific he was in the Warren Commission. There's actually very little reference to him. And, and look, if he was behind it, why would there be, you know? Um, David Atley Phillips. Very, very, you know, con contemporary, I'm talking 1960s contemporary reference to him. Nothing on David Sanchez Morales, who, uh, you know, a lot, lot, lot of people uh, think uh, had uh, something something to do with this. He was, of course, based out of JMO Wave over in um, uh, Miami for the CIA and was a bit of a, a roving, uh, you know, wet ops man as well. Nothing, nothing on Morales. Um, Bill Harvey, I've only just been able to um, start to uh, gather gather a couple of references to him. So people that, and even, uh, sorry, Angleton as well, he's another one that comes to mind. So so people that are, are um, you know, quite consistently out there being thought of as being behind the uh, Kennedy assassination, there's very, very little reference to them in the folders so far. So whether that means something or not, it's it's just, a, I guess, well, an observation. What I could say is them. this is just one filing cabinet of yeah. that, managed to escape the uh, uh you know um harry conic and yes, his yeah. effort to destroy everything so yeah. maybe they got to those files first and then yeah. this was yeah. just you know yeah. but we're, we're lucky, we're lucky we for what we have yeah yeah so um but really for me the 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 pen jones side of things has been what's what's been most um you know, all the all the content that he put together and obviously had contributions from researchers uh, back back in the day and uh, you know obviously we, we all know about Gary Mack who uh, came to work at the um, or curate the book depository museum um, he 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 was very some of the articles that, that he had back in the early 80s you know questioning the um, you know the direction of the you know the the, the bullets for the headshot and, and getting into the uh, of when, when we talk about um, the JFK assassination, it's you know they're, they're there to be to be read and and they're they're pretty informative. 
Um, the dicta belt, he, he talks about that quite a bit. So another example of you know, this, how this is very much a, a, you know, a, a capsule of the research over the years and, and then we, we can look back on it with uh, hopefully this, this nice and easy to follow index and, and just use the, the passage of time as a, uh, you know, and all the perspective and knowledge that we've, we've been able to gather since, thanks to obviously all the researchers. Um, it's uh, just hopefully it all just wraps it up and just, just uh, in, in, encapsulates it all nice and, and tidily for, for researchers now and, and to come. Well, it, it puts a lot of things in perspective, right? And uh, it just shows how how fantastic the efforts of Jim Garrison were, you know. Mm. Mm. And so his, I mean, and I've talked about Penn Jones a bit, but he, the, the, the amount of folders and um, you know, information that Garrison and his team still did uh, gather in the, in the 60s, it, it cannot be understated. Uh, no, um, I know I referred to Jim D'Eugenio's work on chronicling all of that as well, but Joan Mellon's book, uh, Farewell to Justice, that's, you, you can see, uh, having read that book, you can you can see where she, how close she was able to get to a lot of, you know, the, 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 the uh, Garrison research material, and obviously she, she knew Jim Garrison as well, but it really can't be understated how much his team, his investigators pulled in, you know, really drilling down to, um, you know, activities in New Orleans and Dallas, uh, surprisingly as well, correlating activities in Dallas leading up to um, November 22nd, um, as well as information that, that happened on, uh, obviously, research that, uh, that gathers materials from um, uh, uh, about uh, from the day on the 22nd of November as well. So... S.M. Holland, for example, he was a a, um, a rail, rail yard worker up on the uh, overpass bridge that uh, overlooked uh, Dealey Plaza, and he was standing directly above Elm Street as uh, the the, uh, the motorcade was to proceed under it. So he he was able to he was an eyewitness to to the assassination. Um, he testified that um, there was uh, two uniformed police officers. Uh, up there on the bridge with him and some of the other rail yard workers, um, and and those two police officers have, have been identified. But something I didn't know, but Holland also said that, um, and this is in the Garrison files, that um, you know there, there what appeared to be two, maybe plainclothes detectives or FBI agents up on the bridge at, at the time as well, and and standing with the police officers. So. Not sure how well known that is out there, but that, um, yeah, that that was a bit of a yeah, bit bit, bit of a, a surprise to me, given given, um, yeah, how uh, how you know, open to interpretation a lot of the witness reports regarding the grassy knoll and directions of shots were. So there, there really is just still so much to um, to to be thankful for the garrison investigation on. Um, and a, a, another investigation, which is is uh, there's a lot of material gathered on in these folders, is the initial FBI investigation. There's um, a, quite a bit that uh, you know that, that uh, is, has been gathered on that as well. So I'd I definitely, when when people have access to the spreadsheet, I've made it its own filter um, titled the FBI investigation because that was, I mean, we we we, we can. I think we'd all be within our rights to have pretty serious 
and serious um, questions about uh, what what the actual purpose of that investigation for was it was it to do all the groundwork for the Warren Commission as I think Hoover had intended or was it a genuine investigation I'm not sure but there is a lot um, a lot of files and documents that um, you know, the Garrison investigation used clearly referred to and is and is, has been kept in these folders as well it's it's something Len that, that I, I think I'm probably most passionate about is this, this this resource and the, the folders that that um, you're, you're so willing to um, to provide to anyone are, are great for for researchers and, and people of varying interests in not not just not just the Kennedy assassination but there's a lot of things coming in now on the uh, assassination of uh, Robert Kennedy and then, and then we get into um, you know talk of the you know the the secret societies and um, you know, a lot of lot of perspective looking back at the Vietnam War from from the 1980s. In fact, I've I've picked up on a, a fascinating little. Um, it's a the tiniest snippet of an article, but it, it's in it's in one of the folders. It's from we, uh, William Westmoreland, who, who he was one of the war hawks in the Kennedy administration that um, was obviously uh, pro the the Vietnam War and and I believe helped. Uh, perpetuate it for as long as it um, went on for, and there's a quote of of his from 1984 that that um, says that a uh, you know when when referring back to the Vietnam War, you know that that war and any war can't be won if uh, if uh, it doesn't have the public support, um, and therefore the media should be controlled to really help generate and and maintain that public support. And I mean, if I mean, come on, if that isn't <laughs> you know, spelling out the the narrative forever since um, when we think about the two wars in Iraq and obviously Afghanistan and and now with what's going on in in the Ukraine, um, that I don't know what is you know. And and then we think about the, the lesser known conflicts and, and wars where the, the, there's a complete blackout from the media. You know, we talk talk about the things you know like the the war in Yemen. You know that that's not at all in any of the headlines today. So is that an example of what Westmoreland, you know, was bragging about or proselytising on back in the eighties? I don't know, but just again another interesting little little snippet that you that that yeah, with the with the passage of time and a bit of perspective is it makes you sit back and go, wow, there you go. Wow, you know, I'm just looking at the the file titles and everything that you've done so far here. How um, in depth are you going to go with this? Because I, I guess this is like a, a draft or a prototype of of what you're working on. It's not completed. But yeah, yeah. Tell me so about, I've, like how many columns and input references to folders do you have? Yeah, I, I want to. Um, I, I started out with this wanting it to be as simple and as um, you know, spread Excel spreadsheets can can often be pretty complicated and, and all of that. But I just wanted this to be something as, as simple and, and as, um, as uh, you know, clear a context as possible. So, you know, as we know in, in um, you know, the, all the, the subjects and topics that, that, that um, you cover on, um, on Black Op Radio and what we're all interested in, the, how long is a piece of rope? You know, we, 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 we can follow these, these things down so many different rabbit holes. So this, this to me is just very much a simple starting point um, for, for anyone to then, you know, swim in, in the, uh, the files and folders 
Um, but but for me, what, what I wanted to do was really just get complete this index and then go through just a bit of a bit of a tidy up phase to to make sure that um, I've I've got uh, dates um, uh, date references in, in all of the files that I can. What, what one of the kind of the the trickier things I suppose is that. Uh, obviously, the you know, people's names are spelled differently as well. So ba Guy Bannister's is a is a classic for, uh, example of that. You know, the, the, his name is spelt with only one N for November, but you know it's in numerous folders. He's referred to with two Ns in his surname. So I, I kind of I've kept to the rule that whatever name I see, no matter how poorly it's misspelt. I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to write it down however it's spelt because again in in this case this you know wilderness of mirrors you know we who knows why a name has been misspelt especially when we, we found out that some some of the researchers or people that were apparently contributors to um, Garrison's in, investigative team turned out to not have such genuine intentions so I just want to I really really want to just be as authentic to the names um, and, and uh, you know, context that are within the files um, so to, uh, to, to, you know, just, just for transparency's sake, again, just to, to make sure I capture how, how everything is, um, has, has been recorded in, in, these, um, in these documents. Well, then, I, I, I want to interest people and not scare them off, but it starts yeah. off with column number one. <laughs> and my end uh, ending down here is that uh, I'm at twenty-two thousand eight hundred and forty. Yeah, yeah. forty-one. There's... So twenty-two thousand <laughs> inputs you have put, like yeah. for instance, Clay Shaw Associates. Then you have yes. the, you know the number of pages to that. Then you have the date of New Orleans, April sixty-eighth, and then yeah. the topic is New Orleans connections, right? Yeah. And then yeah. uh, there's another folder here that is it was called miscellaneous but in it you say it's um oh my god new orleans connections yeah. um <laughs> speculative oswald sightings yep um i mean just there's just so much there's just yeah, so much there is. and, and there the, the columns themselves are actually there's only about nine columns so the spreadsheet only goes across nine columns but yeah 20 so I've just come up to um, just under 23,000 um, name references. So my, my advice to anyone, and it will be good to talk with you um, when this is ready to go out, Len, is I'd, I would start with the general context, filtering down with the general context. Because um, that, that, if someone's you know particularly interested just about how things played out on the 22nd of November, what, what um, you, you'll see when you apply that filter is you know, witness reports, you know, things to do with specifically what happened on the 22nd of November. And then, you know, who who, who uh, made that reference, whether it was a Dallas police officer, that's, you know, I've got I've got that listed as well. So, yeah, it, it, it will look, it will surprise people. And I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm, I've still got um, 6,000 pages by my calculation to, um, to scan through, but um, they're, they're, they're across... I, I think those folders will be a lot more focused and, and therefore won't, won't require as much interpretation um, from me in terms of, you know, and even, even in-depth reading. You know, some, some things I've had to really actually stop and read a page word for word, for word to actually understand why 
you know, a, a name, how a name relates, especially when there's we're, we're looking at Warren Commission testimonies, you know, and how those, um, in you know, those question sessions went with all the double speak and and the you know just the absolute incoherent lines of questioning um, as we saw dramatized in the JFK movie that that really is the case in the Warren Commission so for those things I've, I've had to stop and read a little bit more but Len I'm, I'm only one person I, I really didn't want to and I'm it's it's still something I stick to is add too much of my own interpretation to uh, you know to, to the content that I'm reading I just want to be as as, as as simple as I can so then people when they get this resource it's theirs to to add to if they want um, and uh, you know it's 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 uh, some, something that will will we'll just carry on as, as people people um, use it as a, as a as a research tool Wow it really is a research tool I just can't believe how big it is. Yeah, I, I think it'll probably be in excess of, you know, I mean, going on. So I'm just having a look at my kind of diagnostics that I'm keeping. I've, I've, I'm in my 100th file now, as, as we're talking, as I'm, the one I'm working on. Um, so there's been uh, 6,800 6, pages that I've, I've scanned. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, there's another 6,000 to go. Um, so, but again, I don't know how many how many duplicates the, of, of documents that I've previously captured uh, were, are, are still in the, the the files to come, and and that's why that that's why I think probably as, as one person doing this regularly, um, and and in in in, in sections as well, I, I think has been important because I've, obviously I remember I've been able to get to a point where. I've gone. Oh no! I've I've read this interview of that Lynn Loisel of Garrison's investigative team um, did with uh, you know, I think even name Gordon Novell. You know, I've, I, I, that's right. I've read this. So I've I've actually, as I've been going through, been checking back on my own you know previously indexed items to to I guess check you know just double check that I I have I did catch you know, that, that document at an earlier stage. So getting rid of the duplicates. So, um, yeah, just to ensure that, uh, yeah, the, the, this, this list of, uh, list of references isn't any longer than it needs to be. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's going to be a benefit. So this is June, 2023. So, um, when I check in with you again, uh, uh, we'll see whatever progress it is. Um, can I include what I have here to if people write in if they've already downloaded and they want to use yours, which is just incomplete as of now? But um. yeah, I, I, it's it is I, it does need a bit of tidying up. I've I've been working on this over a very long period of time, so when I look at you know in lines right at the top, I can see I I know, I know I'm going to need to have to go back and fix that. So I'd probably probably rather we just keep it. Keep it until it's ready and um, you know as, as polished as, as can be. And I'm very very confident that um, that will be well and truly before the 60th anniversary. Um, I'll, I'll have something that that uh, you know is is as is, uh, is, is correct and as um, as uh, you know coherent as possible. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then 
it sounds like because it's a one-man operation, you're really on top of what you're doing. So it, there's no sense really canvassing for more people to help you at this stage. I guess I did. I, I did think about it honestly because I thought, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't it be nice if we can take give um, someone a, a folder just to go through? But then I thought, well, hang on, if it's what if they're going through something that I've already or someone else would have already indexed, then then we're we're kind of just okay. Well, we'll leave it at that for right. now. Yeah. I just look forward to having a, a complete index. So if somebody wants to find something, they'll be yeah. able to know the page number. They'll be able to know, notice how many times it's mentioned. And you can, there's just so many options. I mean, you say there's only nine columns, but, you know, all those are just so important if you want to do that. Like the, yeah. the Clinton witnesses, you know, archiving yeah. that. Where are they all on the files? It would take you yeah. a year to just start reading every file and making a note of where they were, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And I'm definitely happy, Len, if anyone does you know, have any questions or anything about a particular topic, that maybe they've they've um, you know seen, seen in, a, in a folder. I'm I'm happy to yeah. Please feel free to to uh, give give my email. I'm happy to um, you know give it, give anyone any you know, information that I can at this point. I've I've been able to like like I said before. I've um, you know been been sending information to uh, Paul Blow, um, uh, Jeff Morley as well. I've I've provided him a couple of um, or been in a, a correspondence with him. So. Happy to uh, talk to anyone that uh, has any very particular questions about um, any any of the folders for sure. Okay then, Paul. Thank you so much for this update, and uh, uh, just thank you for your good work. And I'm uh, no, sure no once it's uh, if we can make it active as well, put this yeah. together with the in the same folder as all the. Um, Comparison yeah. files we have, you'd be able to just click on the guy's name and then it'll go to there. Right? Absolutely, I'd, it's it's this isn't something that I'll at all, um, you know, be keeping for myself and and be the be the holder of. This will this will be something that that I'll, I'll be giving to you, Len, and 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 therefore absolutely to be to be sent out with the folders. So um, definitely need to make that clear as well. It's, yeah, it's, and that's why I, I, um, uh, some people are surprised, but. When I, when I have this stuff, I thought, well, I want to share it with anyone interested. So all you yeah. have to do is email me and I'll send you an email download link, right? Uh, the yeah. only thing is that um, it usually expires in seven days. So if you do want it, email me. I send it to you. You got to download it quick, you know, you know, within a yeah. week. But um, I'm only too happy to be a catalyst to help somebody else saying, well, I was writing a book, I was looking for something and here you've got the stuff, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, like you say, it might be on uh, people who are just at arm's length in the JFK assassination, but they are showing up in other things, you know? Mm. Yeah. And, and also, you know, broad, broad, more broadly speaking, you know, we, 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 again, we, we can use this to, to, to really, um, uh, encapsulate all all of the you know report reporting news articles and testimonies and documents and you know evidence that that has been gathered you know this this whole time sixty years since since the uh, murder of John F Kennedy and you know more broadly speaking we we can see see how um uh, you know things the the way they are today in this this crazy world have precipitated and, and come about that there is that context as well within these folders you know it's not i want to assure people that it's not not too granular and um 
uh, you know, on, on all, all aspects of the Kennedy assassination. There, there is so much, so much learning, so much knowledge that um, I, I think people are actually going to sit back and, you know, that, that Westmoreland quote is, is kind of what I'm, I'm getting at is, wow, so you know what, history, history actually doesn't repeat, it rhymes. And maybe the, the 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 handling of the Kennedy assassination, the you know the whitewash as, as the Warren Commission was has been referred to, is a, is a bit of a, a lesson for 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 people. You know, it has been a lesson for for people up until now, and will continue to to be one as for 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 uh, you know future generations as you know what 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 um, you know what uh, the lack of transparency looks like and, and uh, the reasons behind it. So. Uh, yeah, we we, we 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 can look at this this uh, this document with hopefully that lens as well as a uh, giving a nice uh, broad perspective on how history can play out. Well, at least it will say, uh, like for the guys, the Posners and the, the people who who want to just slander Jim Garrison, you know, yeah. he didn't have anything. Okay, here's what he had. And yeah, uh, yeah. it's even more than I imagined. So here's yeah. what a witness told him. Here's what these people told him. So is yeah. he wrong or was he getting, uh, you know, the people who made these statements and, uh, you know, depositions to him? This is yeah. what they said. Now, yeah. you know, I'm just thinking about the Oswald, um, and for now, I'll call impersonators. Like, how many different people said, uh, I saw this guy yeah. here, I saw him there, at what time, you've got, like, the different cities. And then, yeah. you know, when John Armstrong has the view that there was, um, well, for for just better way of putting it, he just thinks there's two of them, right? Mm. I mean, um, I'm still happy to say there's an imposter and maybe mm. more than one imposter, you know. But yeah. there, you you get these depositions of people. So, well, I saw him here. I saw him here. He, you know. And then this yeah. is what Garrison was uh, collecting, and uh, yeah. you know, and dif- different points in time as well. We we think about the imposters in Dallas, but obviously, you know, there's there, there was the you know the the imposter or the 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 alleged Oswald double going around New Orleans, and, and not just in the summer of 63 but you know there's things within the garrison files of people testifying to um, being able to recognize lee oswald in 1962 and you know either before or just after he's, he he um would have returned to the united states from russia so you know how far does, does the you know the oswald in impersonations um you know resemblances that are you know coincidental or maybe not carrie thornley for example um uh, you know, a long thought of as as being a uh, an Oswald double. It's it's all in here. That's that's for sure. Or people being introduced by somebody as Leon, you know, yeah. or or yeah. you know, and then uh, here's the guy that wants to shoot the president, you know, yeah. and, and or anyway, I don't have to go into all that right now. But um, no, okay, it was very the, good. Um, yeah. it, what, what you said just before though that that was a big motivating factor for me was you know something to. To uh, to prepare as well as um, to to you know in the, in the face of the garrison detractors. So you, you I don't want to mention their names to be honest, but unfortunately there's 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 too many. But this, this no no I mean just good well. work. You know your good work. Uh, you know Oliver Stone, Jim DiEugenio, or Paul Blow. You know just people are networking and saying here's what we found. And then for mm. someone else that's new to the case, they want to look into it. They go, wow, this is real. Show me the documents. Show me the the um, the photocopies or the um, 
uh, you know, faxes or whatever it was back then. It wasn't fax, but you know, these right. are, some of them are are first generation copies or even there's a lot of different newspaper clippings that were saved and you you put them kind of in context you could you know i'm just amazed at what jim garrison did i'm just always uh amazed yeah and it wasn't uh, you know some of the things didn't didn't eventuate but that that's an investigation isn't it you you, you track you follow every every lead that presents and some will lead to fruition, and and some won't. And you know, well, that, they also give away that uh, some of these guys are are giving phony uh, yeah, things. So yeah. you see this name pop up, and then that pop up, and then you realize, oh, they're trying to derail his investigation by sending yeah. him on a wild goose chase. You know? Yeah, yeah. And absolutely. I think it was Vince Salandria that. Uh, uh, you know, recognized right away after reading some of the investigation of, of, of um, you know, Bill Boxley or whatever it was, right? You mm -hmm. know, just that. Oh, th th this is uh, this is not real. This is meant mm -hmm. to to get your wheel spinning. I mean, who has his office? You know, bugged by the FBI, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. otherwise, you'd think they would be down there with agents helping him. Saying, yeah, no, we actually, yeah. we'd like to find out who killed Kennedy. No, we already know. We want to make sure you don't find out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Paul, before we wrap up, is there anything you wanted to bring up about this that I didn't ask you about? No, I've covered it all. There's, there's some other little other little nuggets, which I'll continue to, um, to highlight as I go along. But, um, yeah, again, it'll be a resource that's uh, available for all. And, um yeah, no, I'm just just thankful to you to yourself, Len, for all the work that you do, and um, like you say, being the catalyst for, for for good work out there. This is um, this has been done in the spirit of that as well. So thank you. Good. Well, then there'll be the next generation of somebody who finds something really good, and they'll be calling you and thanking you for the way you've organized it. And uh, we've all kind of contributed a small bit in our own way, right? Yeah. I mean, we're standing on the, the shoulders of giants like the Mark Lanes and even John Judge and uh, you know, Fletcher Prouty. There's just uh, yeah. um, Mae Russell, the, the, the people who started saying there's something wrong here. Yeah, and it, it should be a generational thing. You know, I think Costner's... Costner's character, uh, uh, Garrison, in the JFK movie said that. This should be a generational question um, that uh, carries on because it, uh, uh, again, not to underplay it, the, the assassination of John F. Kennedy literally changed the course of the world. I'm, I'm Australian and I appreciate that. You know, we, you know, the, the country which I'm from, Australia, we, we have our own very you know, fairly you know, storied and uh, fairly colourful past. We, we're not without our own little... Um, you know, little conspiracies either. We, we had a prime minister that went for a swim in the ocean um, in the 60s and, and never came back. So, you know, we, uh, we, we've we got that down in here here in Australia as well. But, um, you know, but the, the appreciation for, uh, you know, the, the literally the uh, turning point that was the Kennedy assassination and and, and obviously what, what um, happened from throughout the rest of the 60s to set the course of the, the, the path of the, uh, the world that uh, we've been on ever since is is massive so uh, we, we need to keep shining a light on it all right very good looking forward to the next update thanks Lane. I'll, uh, I'll stay in touch with you yeah and by the way thank you for taking time to talk to me today and listeners I know uh, uh, you know I just I always you know take it for granted that people will come on but you know thank you no, thank thank you, Lance. Always, yeah, been a long time listener. Great to, uh, yeah, great great to talk to you as well. Okay, good. We'll talk to you next time then.
Thanks, Len. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye.